ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له ونشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله ارسل الله تعالى بالحق بشيرا ونذيرا داعيا الى الله باذنه وسراجا منيرا فما بعد فقال تعالى يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن الا وانتم مسلمون بقال يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم اعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما وقال نبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وعلى اله وصحبه وسلم اصدق الحديث كتاب الله وخير الهدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وشر الامور محدثاتها وكل محدثه بدع وكل بدعه ضلاله وكل ضلاله في النار my dear respected brothers sisters elders this is the eighth in the series of khutab on the leadership of rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wasallam the purpose is not a history lesson the purpose is not a management lesson the purpose is not a leadership lesson the purpose is to study and understand the beautiful seerah of rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wasallam with only one single intention and that intention is to practice what he did in our lives for the rida of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the pleasure of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the benefit of that is that this will also make us winners in this world and in every endeavor that we choose to choose for ourselves every time i think about this deen i thank allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for this religion which he gave us and i strongly advise you to sit and reflect and think about this beautiful deen of ours but for the grace and mercy of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we would have been anything other than muslim there are many people i know good people but for whom may allah subhanahu wa ta'ala open the door of hidayah for them may allah subhanahu wa ta'ala open the doors of their hearts and fill their hearts with his nur but as of now that door is shut Alhamdulillah Allah gave it to us and for most of the people here we got it for nothing just happened to be accident happened to be born in a muslim home khalas those who came to islam after having been born somewhere else that is an even bigger gift for them from Allah jalla jalaluhu whatever be the case today we are muslim it doesn't matter how we became muslim we be a muslim here today the key is to remain muslim and to die muslim that is the goal because it doesn't matter how we came into islam it doesn't matter who the father was it doesn't matter who the mother was and we have any number of examples and examples from the quran itself you know the examples i don't have to mention them the only thing which makes a difference is what i do 
in my life. What I believe and what I practice. Who my father was, my grandfather was, who, which, I, which country I come from, which locality, which ethnicity, which race, which tribe, which family makes absolutely no difference before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is why one of my favorite from the Salaf Salihin, I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to enable me to kiss his hand in Jannah. Hassan Basir Ahmadullah They asked him, they said, how is it that you are not concerned about the opinions of people? People say things about you, it doesn't seem to bother you. You don't get angry, you don't get angry, nothing. How is that possible? What's the secret? Hassan Basir Ahmadullah said, what do I have to do with people? He said, what do I have to do with people? He said, I was born alone. I will die alone. I will be put into my grave alone. I will be resurrected alone. On the day of judgment, I will be among a hujum, but I will be alone. And when I am called before the arsh of Allah, I will be alone. I will be questioned alone and my Rabb will forgive me. I ask him for his forgiveness. What do I have to do with people? Eh? I'm saying this because we're living in a world of social media. What are people thinking of me? How many thumbs up? How many ticks? How many likes? How many dislikes? How many this? Somebody unfriended me. We've even gone and destroyed the English language for God's sake. The only one who matters is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala jalla jalla. Nobody else is me before my Rabb Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If I succeed, I succeed. If I fail, I fail. None of you can do anything for me. And I cannot do anything for you. Rasulullah was extraordinary. Why extraordinary? Because good enough never is. If you say something is good enough, you are looking at mediocrity. Not at quality. As we work towards a goal, a great goal, you will become restless. You will become irritated. You will become impatient. And you will be inclined to take shortcuts and cut corners. All for the excellent reason which you convince yourself that you want to see the project up and running as soon as possible. But in this urgency, there will be a tendency to accept compromises. I'm saying this to warn you of the biggest danger of success. And that is the C word. The C word. What is the C word? Compromise. For to compromise, is to die a death without honor. Those who have the courage to work towards a great goal understand that possible and impossible are terms that define your own standpoint, how you see yourself. They point to who you are, not to the goal at all. Soaring in the air at 30,000 feet is possible for an eagle or for a man with a flying machine. It's not possible or impossible by itself. All it needs is for you to ask, how can I do it? How can I do it? Not can it be done? Of course it can be done. Question is, how can I do it? Differentiation creates brand. 
Brand defines identity. Identity enables influence. Influence inspires followers and loyalty. Without differentiation, you are a grain of rice in a sack. We must differentiate ourselves. Excellence is an expression of self-respect. So is mediocrity. We strive for excellence not because someone is watching or because we are playing to the gallery, but because excellence is about us. How we see ourselves, what we think of ourselves, how we choose to define ourselves. We define ourselves and the world accepts that definition and treats us accordingly. Define yourself as, ex as in terms of excellence and the world treats you with respect. Define yourself as mediocre and the world will treat you as a mediocre person. Simple as that. You make the definition. So therefore, think about how you want to define yourself. Excellence requires sustained effort. Sustained heroic effort. Often in the face of great discouragement. That is why only those who revel, who, who have joy in the effort can succeed. The adrenaline drives them. Paradoxically, paradoxically they are goal focused, but take pleasure in the difficulty in reaching the goal. For them the journey is the destination because the excitement is only in the chase and ends with a catch. Mount Everest is a worthy goal to strive for because its dimensions are measured in height. The same distance on level ground, 8 kilometers, wouldn't be worth talking about. It's the angle of the 8 kilometers. It's not the distance. It's the difficulty which adds value to the goal. If you think success is difficult, try failure. To accept mediocrity is to accept failure from the start. Mediocrity ensures that your failure is permanent. And that drug is called compromise. I know that there are more mediocre people in the world than those who achieve excellence. But ask yourself, who would you rather be? Who would you like to emulate? Who do you choose as your role model? That's why Tipu Sultan Shaheed, one of our kings in India, who died in battle fighting and his, his, his last action was to, was to defend himself against somebody, the uh, British officer which was shooting him. He said, one day in the life of a tiger is worth more than a hundred years in the life of a jackal. So ask yourself, which life you would like to live? For in the end, both die. Compromise is to attitude what cancer is to the body. The body doesn't fight cancer but accepts it because it doesn't recognize the threat. It accepts cancer cells until they kill it. Only those who hate mediocrity can excel. Not just dislike it not be irritated by it, nothing mild, but who pathologically hate mediocrity. Those who cannot stomach mediocrity at any cost, those who are repelled by it, who find it disgusting, abhorrent, hateful, and will do anything to get out of it, 
only those can accept. Compromise, like cancer, destroys from within. But unlike cancer, compromise is infectious. People who compromise infect others with the same attitude of mediocrity. And this is the great sickness today that permeates the Muslim people globally. Illa mashallah, those who are not in that, they are not in that. The Muslim people today are not known for excellence. They are not known for, 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 for striving for, for great goals. They are known for seeking mediocrity. That is the compromise. That is the cancer which has infected all of us. My brothers and sisters, excellence takes effort. Few make it. Failure is painful. Nobody likes it. Mediocrity is the narcotic which makes destruction seem acceptable. So people settle for less than what they can be. They get distracted by others and make excuses for their mediocre efforts as if that can change reality. They imagine that if they can find others who agree with them, their mediocrity will be acceptable. It will be to other mediocre people. But to those focused on excellence, who look not at others, but at their own potential and beyond it, mediocrity is despicable. No matter what disguise it comes in. To tell you the truth, the mediocre ones also recognize this in the dead of the night. When they are alone with themselves, that their efforts do not even begin to approach the boundaries of what could have been if only they had not compromised. Failure is not the enemy of excellence. Mediocrity is. Failure is painful and drives effort. Nobody willingly fails or remains in failure. But mediocrity is anesthetized failure. It is, fa it is fatal because the victim does nothing to counter it because he cannot feel the pain. I remind myself about a basic principle that I've always followed in my own life. It is better to fail trying to achieve an extraordinary goal than to settle for a compromise. Why extraordinary? Because good enough never is. When you say good enough, you are looking at mediocrity. You are looking at cancer. Do it, do to it what you would do to cancer or die. أقول خولي هذا استغفر الله لي ولكم ولسائر المسلمين فاستغفروا إنه هو الغفور الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وسلامة وسلام على شرف الأنبياء والمرسلين محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا كثيرا فقال تعالى إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل محمد كما صليت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد اللهم بارك على محمد وعلى آل محمد كما باركت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد فبعد my brothers and sisters I remind you and myself the important thing for us to remember is never to compromise no matter how difficult it seems. Remember when weighing something in a balance, it is only with the last few grains which tip the balance. Until then, until you see the last few grains drop in, 
there will be no change in the position of the pans. That is two fundamental laws. First one, the balance will not tip until the last few grains fall into the pan. And the second one, the last few grains will always tip the balance. Both laws are equally true. Remember that if we compromise for anything less than what we dreamed of, then in the evening of our days, we too will be forced to look back on our lives and say, if only I had not sold my dream so cheaply. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent us to change the world, to move from a doggy dog rat race system based on compassion, from that to a system based on compassion, responsibility and investment in the welfare of everyone with the awareness that we are answerable to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from whom nothing is hidden. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Kuntum khaira ummati nukhrijat linnas, ta'amuruna bil ma'arufi wa tanhawna anil munkar, wa tu'minuna billah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, you have been selected and you are the best of peoples ever raised up for mankind. You enjoin good and you forbid evil and you forbid and you believe in Allah. We did not come to adjust to a haram system. We came to change it. It is not a sign of good health to be profoundly adjusted to a sick society. We are a very sick society. We came here to change that society. We did not come here to become one with that society. This is something that we seem to have forgotten. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent us Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa wasallam to learn from. He is our teacher. And he jalla jalaluhu charged us with teaching others. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not send us to learn from others and imitate them. Especially in opposition to the divine system that he sent his messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam with. I remind you and myself that social change happens when a small group of dedicated people who believe in their system live it, practice it with confidence and differentiate on that basis. They live their way assertively, not aggressively, but never compromise or change their system to suit the majority culture. The British colonized the world. They never wore turbans, shimaks, igals, Mishlars, Sherwanis, or any of the gorgeous, beautiful clothing of Asia, Middle East, or Africa. And so the world started wearing pants and suits and ties. Let us look at some of the options that were available to Rasulullah when he started preaching his message. In my opinion, he had three options. One, he could have accepted the kingship of Quraysh and then made changes. Number two, he could have addressed social evils, become a social activist, reformer, first to get some local traction, and then he could have presented his theological message. Three, he could have compromised, accepted the status quo, and then tried to gradually make changes. But he didn't do any of that. He did not choose any of those options. Instead, he did what all the Anbiya, all the Prophets and Messengers of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have always done. He proclaimed his message directly in so many words. This is one of the many proofs and evidences of divine guidance and the best example of tawakkul on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because who other than the one who is being directed by Allah can do what he did. 
This unwillingness to compromise the message of Islam is the theme of his entire life. He did not accept the, the Islam of Banu Thaqif of Taif when they came with the condition that he that they would accept Islam and pray but would not pay zakat even though he needed their support very badly at that time. Some people advised him to soften his stance and said that he should accept the Islam of the Banu Thaqif and that they would perhaps pay zakat in due course. Rasulullah refused. And he said that the one who separates Salah from Zakat is not a Muslim. It is based on this ruling that Abu Bakr Siddiq declared war on those who refused to pay Zakat after Rasulullah passed away. What we know as the wars of Ridda. When they asked him, they said, how do you make war on Muslims? He said, this is what Rasulullah said, the one who separates Salah from Zakat is not a Muslim. So therefore I will make war on him. My brothers and sisters, the greatest damage to a cause is done by those who perhaps in a well-meaning way soften stances regarding principles. I am all for being flexible. The question is to decide where you can be flexible and where you must not be flexible. Because when that happens, the clarity of differentiation is lost and the message loses significance. The stance of complete integrity stands out in the Dawah of Muhammad in that he was not willing to compromise his message, to water it down, to dilute it in any way to please anyone. There was huge moral and psychological pressure on him to accept at least in part the religion of his polytheistic family and tribesmen and to go easy on them and their traditions and customs. He refused. They tried every means of persuasion. As I have mentioned, they offered him gold and women and power and authority and everything else. And finally, I mean, they threatened him with death. Finally, when his uncle Abu Talib, who had given him his protection, asked him directly, he said to him, My uncle, even if they put the sun in my right hand and the moon in my right, in my left, I will not give up this message that I have been charged with. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ordered him, Ya ayyuha rasoolu ballig ma unzila ilayka min rabbik. Wa illam taf'al fama ballagta risala. Wallahu ya'asimuka min al-nas. Inna allaha la yahdi al-qawm al-kafirin. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, O Messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, proclaim the message which has been sent down to you from your Rabb Jalla Jalaluhu. And if you do not, then you have not conveyed his message. Allah will protect you from mankind. Verily Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not guide people who disbelieve. Before I go further, let us reflect on what we do today in the name of all sorts of apologetic stances in Islam. Where we are willing to bend over backwards, water down the message, allow all sorts of innovations and do anything but speak clearly and directly. Let us ask ourselves, if Rasulullah were alive today and he took the stances that he took in Makkah, how many of us would be willing to stand by him? I want to close by saying that for a leader, the most critical thing is to differentiate from the rest based on his message. If the leader compromises his message for the sake of popularity or material gain or followership or anything else, the uniqueness of the message will be lost and it will lose its value as a clear standard on which to model all actions. This is not easy and there may be a lot of societal and other pressures to confirm to existing norms and values and customs. To stand out as different, especially when this means to go directly against the existing system is not easy. 
but it is an essential criterion that distinguishes the leader. For people to follow the leader, his identity, the goal that he is leading towards which the followers and what the followers will gain by following him must be absolutely clear. It is a flag is a symbol only when it is flying high on the flag post, not when it's drying on a clothesline. It's critical for a leader not to be seduced with the promise of followership and never to change or dilute or modify the message to suit anyone in the desire to get converts. The message distinguishes the leader. If he compromises the message, then he has lost everything. This is the biggest argument in favor of differentiation and against assimilation and losing one's identity that I can place before you. Someone who does not have the confidence to differentiate and is content with being one sheep in a flock is completely unfit to be a leader. Being a leader may means to take hard decisions and getting used to being lonely. The tiger walks alone. Sheep have lots of company. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to be pleased with you and never to be displeased. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to help you in ways that you cannot imagine. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to enable you to stand for Islam, to practice Islam, to, to, to become living, walking, talking models of the way that Rasulullah sallallahu presented for us to follow. ربنا ظلمنا انفسنا وان لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكوننا من الخاسرين يا هيو يا قيوم برحمتك نستغيث اثله لنا شاننا كل لا اله الا انت ربنا فاغفر لنا ذنوبنا وكفر عنا سيئاتنا وتوفنا مع الابرار يا عباد الله رحمكم الله ان الله يامر بالعدل والاحسان وايتاء ذي القربى وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر والبغي يعيذكم لعلكم تذكرون اذكروا الله يذكركم عذو يستجب لكم ولا ذكر الله اكبر والله يعلم ما تصنعون اقيموا السلام